1: I mean, all I can really tell you is because I, I, she, is, she is so good. She's got a lot going on personally. She's incredibly smart. She is, and she seems, from what I can tell, to be absolutely no shrinking violet whatsoever, uh, which uh, is you know exactly what we would need for someone stepping into that group of very uh very dominant hey
0: everybody welcome to another episode of everyone's business but mine with me cara berry how are you guys doing i hope you're doing well hope we're, you know, getting through these next few weeks before (laughs) shit really hits the fan on another level. Um, Before we get into the rest of the episode, I just want to give a couple of news updates about your girl. One, I was on the Incredible Mixing with Monty podcast. If you don't listen to her, and wow, you're late on that one. You can listen to her. Every platform that you listen to me, we talked about last week's episode of Real Housewives of Potomac. We talked about somebody who used to be on Vanderpump Rules getting married. Um, it was a lot of fun. Monty is a great podcaster, a great voice in the space. An incredible black woman. And, yeah, again, if you don't listen to that podcast, I highly, highly suggest you do. Um... Another thing, I was incredibly honored to talk to my friend Michelle Konstantinovsky about um, the community that we've created here. She interviewed several different podcasters about how Bravo has, what it's meant to them during the pandemic, and all of these like really great things. The community that we've built up, the ways that we've been able to you know, find a community in this crazy time. So I will put the link to that in the description of this episode, and you can check that out. We got some things to gossip about, y'all. A lot of things have been happening. I'm personally very, very excited about... A, number one, we finally, after, what, a decade... (laughs) have a black housewives of new york she seems like an incredible woman her name is ebony with an i ebony k williams she is 37 which i think will make her the youngest uh castmate for the upcoming season because i think Leah might be 38 or 39 somewhere around there um she is a lawyer she is a television host she hosts the show on revolt tv with i believe charlemagne um She is, I think, going to be a really excellent addition. Andy has been hyping her up since the official announcement talking about how, like, she just has come right in. She's not taking any shit from everybody, anyone, and I love to see that. I love to see it. I love, I mean, like, no shade to Leah, but we've been on the Housewives for quite some time where we haven't really had, like, a career woman, a busy woman. And, again, no shade to Married to the Mob or anything, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, Luanne has her cabaret, but, you know, <laughs> Sonya, you know, pulling, pulling things off Amazon to sell and putting a Sony Morgan New York label on it. Shout out to her for making the Century 21, but not for long. (laughs) And that's no fault of hers. You know, that's just the state of the world that we live in. What I'm trying to say is, for the most part, most of the cast members are pretty, you know, stable financially, not dedicating their lives to their career. We'll say that. I think that is a fair um, criticism, if you want to call it a criticism to make. I'm really excited to see a woman who's, like, booked and busy, and I think, you know, she says, she did a quote with page six saying, NYC is filled with successful and dynamic black women. I'm excited to join this legendary franchise as the first black housewife. Can't wait to share a slice of life in this city that hasn't been seen before. Anyone who's aware of my work knows I don't hold back. I'm going to keep it just as real here as I do everywhere else. I am so excited. There was a clip that went viral on Twitter of her talking to that horrific beetle of a human being, Ben Shapiro. And she really clapped back at him in a, like an incredibly classy way. Like He walked right into it. And it, they were talking about like pro life and abortion and stuff like that. And she really, really handled herself very well. I love to see it. I'm loving this like new crop up of, of, um, like whip smart political commentators that we're seeing between Ebony and Wendy. I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm really stoked about that. Um, no, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Should I address this? I've already asked, so I think I'm going to. Um, There was a woman who really seems to be... She feels like she needs to know via my podcast reviews. You guys can all see it. That she thinks that I um, hate white women. <laughs> and because I don't like Ramona, that I'm exclusionary... And that I'm basically like a racist. (laughs) And I just want to say, like, ma'am, there are about 70 reasons why I don't like Ramona. And her being white is not any of them. Okay? Okay? I love my Caucasian kings and queens. But to act as though the reason why I don't like Ramona is purely steeped in my hatred of white people is actually laughable. It's embarrassing for you to say or even suggest. And you can continue to give me one star reviews. But really, what you're doing is listening to me and giving me more listens, which only helps my bottom line. So maybe you should just stop listening. If you think that I'm so exclusionary, you can exclude yourself from from my listenership. How about that? Anyway, let's move on to I'm trying to keep up with these uh updates about Max Eric, the you know short lived fiance of Demi Lovato. He has now <laughs> done a maybe 180 if you can call it that. He wants everybody, Demi Lovato fans, to leave him alone. So this man who has been doing regional theater performances on his Instagram live about how he never knew, he didn't know that she broke up with him until he saw it on TV, or, you know, like, he saw it on his phone, and, you know, he was on set for his Christian movie, and he just can't believe it, and stream Demi Lovato songs, I- I'm so heartbroken, will anybody think of Pete Davidson like you know Ariana Grande did this to Pete and now Demi's doing this to me and talking about how Demi's using him for her own fame and clout because she came out with a song about how you know she's much better being single agree um yeah he wants everybody to leave him alone he basically said you know stop the hate and that it's ridiculous that fans believe that Demi broke up with him for taking advantage of her fame he then says (laughs) we're both anti-bullying people so people should stop bullying that's a quote y'all that's a real quote what people think it's about it has nothing to do with anything people shouldn't believe what they're reading okay well you've been very vocal about what you believe happened and now all of a sudden it's not what we all should think it is because you're the only one who's been speaking about it so like i have questions i have a lot of questions um, did you get a cease and desist was that it did Demi finally text you back and be like shut up you dumb bitch because that's what it sounds like like you're really embarrassing yourself sir by continuing to talk about this so you know maybe think about that somebody got through to him honestly I don't believe it was Demi I believe she probably has not spoken to him at all since she decided to break up with him and good on her for that this is embarrassing and I have a feeling that after this grand gesture about how people need to leave him alone even though he continues to give people content for him to roast his ass over I feel like it's gonna be a couple more weeks and I can't wait to see what happens I truly, truly can't wait y'all Mindy Kaling had a baby? (laughs) another baby, a son named Spencer. She really hops out of bed and is like, oh, oops, I did it again, you know? And I love that for her. I love that for her. I know a lot of people think that the sperm donor is homeboy from the office. I don't believe that he is. In fact, I think I was told quite a while ago that he actually, like, definitely was not. Um, you know, good for her. She wants to have kids, great. If she doesn't want to tell anybody until she has them, even better. I love that. Like, mind y'all's business. I'll tell you when I get around to it. And, you know, that's it. Really, really not much to say because she's not really given us much to talk about. Um, last little bit of news is that monique has spoken out about the situation that happened with candace the fight she had an inter did an interview with people magazine and basically she says that candace didn't deserve to be on the receiving end said candace took a beating for 36 years of built-up frustration it wasn't just about Candice that night. Once it became physical, my response was that of defending myself, but also that pounding was for every person who's ever done anything to me. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I believe that. I don't think it's, like, a very acceptable response, but I believe that. I don't think anybody who saw that fight thought that it was really, like, it was about Candace, but there was just more behind it than what she was talking about. Like, I just think that, like, Candace provoked her. Which is never... When I use the word provoke, I don't ever want it to be conflated with, like, what Candace did was... What Monique did to Candace was deserved. But I think she did provoke her in a way. And... Then she, Monique goes on and says, For that, I just felt like, wow, Candace didn't deserve all that. I don't excuse my ac- actions. I take full ownership of my p- part in the altercation. So she kind of takes responsibility for the situation, but then she says, you know, she I was trying not to engage with her. I was trying not to go back and forth with her. I was already at the point where I realized that she's not the person who I thought she was. Um, basically, like, where I'm from, you don't tell people... To like, you know, are you going to drag me? Or are you going to drag me? And if I tell you to back up, you need to back up. And if you don't, there you go, you get what you get, basically. So, it, you know, it's really like two steps forward, two steps back with Monique. I, I, and I kind of touch on this in my um, episode that I recorded with Moni, is that I believe that there is some mental health. Issues going on more than likely in hormonally since having her baby. I think there's probably some postpartum rage happening. I think there are issues with her marriage. We clearly see that she does not feel supported by Chris. That she feels like she's taking on a lot in terms of child rearing. And we even saw she had a scene with Chris where he was like, if you want help, I'm not the one to do it, but I do have the resources, like, I've got the coin, so if you need help, just hire some people. But, like, basically, I'm not, like, I'm not doing it. That was really heartbreaking, that scene of her on her birthday weekend at the lake with the women and... Chris was supposed to, you know, barbecue for all of them, and he calls her and is, like, basically, like, ugh, I don't really want to do this. I'm just going to hire, you know, people to come out and make food for us. And, you know, there's so much more, and I hope that at some point somebody maybe tries to tell her that. I know she's got these, like, iffy views. I know she's kind of like a QAnon lady. She, um, you know, is like really hard on the essential oils train. So I, I don't really know what her personal views are in terms of mental health and medication and all that. I imagine she's probably not very into that sort of thing. But I hope that You know, not everybody needs to be medicated, but I hope that at some point she has a licensed professional beyond her pastor that is going to help her figure things out of why she snapped like that and why she doesn't really seem to feel, even now, any sort of regret. Like, she says she regrets it, but then she always ends it with, But she got in my face, and so I don't really regret putting hands on her, but also I do regret it. She's just not completely there for me, and that's why I think she'll always be... Candace will always be the victim, because there really is no regret. And I think even if, like, when they had that conversation, Robin, Giselle, Wendy, Karen, Monique... Giselle clearly had already made her mind. She doesn't fuck with her. She's not going to fuck with her. She's a first lady, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think that Robin and Wendy, if she had just displayed any sort of like true level of regret and it was just like, I should have never, never done that. And I'm, this is where I'm coming from. This is where my head was at. It wasn't really Candace, but she's kind of like a victim of, all of these other factors that are going on in my life and in my head. I think they would have been a lot more sympathetic toward her. Right? I, th- I really think they would have been. Maybe more so Robin than Wendy, especially because Giselle left and, you know, that they stay keeping being like the Green-Eyed Bandit twins on these, um, on their opinions, but... You know, and then I I hope you guys all saw that Watch What Happens Live that happened after that episode because Monique's responses were very, like, lawyer, very, I've spoken to (laughs) legal counsel about this. I'm going to keep it very canned, very PR, very rehearsed answers about it. And again, like, she didn't really seem to have any real sort of remorse for her actions and that's really a shame it really is with that being said it seems like people are very much team Monique on Twitter so if you guys are not really Twitter people or I would advise y'all to check the um, RHOP hashtag and see what people are really saying they're very much like it was very briefly like oh damn She shouldn't have done that. It swung right back over to team Monique real quick. And I found that very interesting. Um, Two housewives got married this weekend. One, a lady from Orange County. And the other one, Cynthia Bailey from Real Housewives of Atlanta. I would like to be a lot more congratulatory towards her. Oh, Should we talk about the, the bachelorette party, apparently? So, news has come out that she had this bachelorette party, I believe, in Charleston last week. And that the housewives were all there. And that two of them hooked up with each other. Like, hooked up, hooked up, like, kissing up top and down below. And then they took it to the bedroom with one of the strippers. That was there and they have the audio of it. (laughs) There's it's a bit unclear as to whether or not that stuff is going to actually make it to air. But it happened. So when it first came out and this came out on page six. I was like, oh, let me guess on who this is. One (laughs) Portia. First one was Portia. And then I thought maybe it would have been one of the new ladies. Now, I think on the B. Scott's website, he said that it was Portia and that it was Tanya. Perpetually engaged Tanya Sam, our girl from the North, from Toronto. Now, that's a curveball for me. And honestly... Great. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. I love that. I love that. <sighs> I'm loving that. I think that's great news. So anyway, moving on to the wedding. Um like I said, I want to be a lot more congratulatory than I'm going to be but <sighs> she had 250 Wedding guests at that wedding in Atlanta. Yikes. Yikes. Now, they came out with an article saying we're demanding that people, everybody has to wear a mask at all times. Side note, I've seen many, many clips posted on the internet from wedding guests where it's very obvious that they're at the reception and they could be wearing masks, but they're not. She said that, you know, because of the weather, it was supposed to be an outdoor wedding, but they had to move it in because there were like hurricanes happening um, nearby and that they, you know, the space was, the indoor space was going to be enough to accommodate social distancing within the wedding and people are signing waivers and, which I thought was a little bit sketchy. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be responsible if y'all catch La Rona. Um Yeah, I just think... Uh, it, it, I don't like it. I'm just going to say... And I like Cynthia as a person. Do I approve... Well, I don't need to approve of her wedding. You know what I mean. <laughs> like, am I really that into Mike? No. I think she's, like, really, really excited to be with some dude. I think Mike's kind of corny... And she's now corny because he's corny. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, great. Leon. Sexiest man that's not a house husband. Her ex-baby daddy, boyfriend, father of Noel. Leon wished them a happy wedding day on Instagram. And he was very sexy about it. And he actually winked at the camera at the very end. Um... Yeah, I just, I don't like it. I think 250 guests is really, really tone deaf and gross. I don't like it. I, what can I say? I just don't like it. I just don't like it. And I'll be damned, Karen Huger was a guest at the wedding. It seemed like she wore her mask at all times from what I could see. If anybody gives that woman even a tickle in her throat, I will go down. And make sure that they get what they deserve. Nobody better have gotten LaDom sick. Okay? I'm telling you that right now. So, anyway, Um, let's move on with the rest of the episode. So, right after this, you will hear a recap of the return of Love After Lockup. And after that, I... Was incredibly honored to have Desi Jetican of the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast talk with me about the crazy true crime Netflix documentary um, entitled American Murder, The Family Next Door, all about Chris Watts and his decision to murder his wife and two children, two lovely little girls, and how he navigated trying to get away with it it's an incredible watch so if you haven't watched it i would definitely do so it's not even an hour and a half it is really well done documentary so check it out all right you guys thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking if you have not left a five-star review on apple Podcasts, begging please do so i'm not too proud to beg (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Heather's lucky enough to have extended family members that are willing to take in not just her, but her felon fiancé. Go in here and just chill and lay down I'm for a second. I'm not doing But instead of, you know, showing gratitude, she's talking in a way that I would never talk to any of my family members. We're out there talking about you, babe. I'm absolutely speechless.
1: Can you I know, do anything for you? I got to, get to spend up. some time with my husband. I got you. Being here. Ever in life, Say
0: like me. just <laughs> once, would be great. Hey. All right, here go hell come. And with that, let's start with our love after lockup <laughs> recap. So they are back from what, like a month long break, and they called this the season premiere, but I thought they called the finale the mid season finale. So. I don't know. I mean, this show is all twisted in every sense of the word, so let's just talk about it. I think now they're only doing hour-long episodes, which I am very grateful for. I've come to the conclusion that a two-hour-long episode is torture of any show, really. And I'm grateful for the gods that have smiled upon me and blessed me with just the one-hour Episode from now on, so let's start with Shonda and Tyrese. <laughs> Not really much to report. um Tyrese keeps calling trying to call Shonda to no avail. It has been two months since he dropped her off at the bus station. He has texted, called her, emailed her, tried to check out her social media, sent a messenger pigeon, you know, did Morse code. Basically every way of communication he could manage. And guess what? She's gone. His daughter comes over and she's like, yeah, I think she's ghosting you. And he was like, I don't even know what ghosting is, but I'm going to give Shonda the benefit of the doubt. And I think that probably she's incarcerated. (laughs) So imagine that being the benefit of the doubt that you give somebody that they probably just got locked up again. Choices. Real choices are being made here. Um, he says he's still going to try everything that he can to keep in, get in touch with her. Mm, good luck to you, Chirese. Good luck to you. Uh, Sean and Destiny, another couple that we didn't really see too much of. Last we left Sean and Destiny, Destiny was putting, you know, her acrylic nails into Sean's nose nasal cavity and cheek and sent him off to work for daring to talk to his baby mama, the baby mother of six, on the phone Destiny thinks that this is beyond unacceptable for them to even have any sort of communication with each other but Sean's still holding on, he still seems very much um, to have feelings for Destiny, he says that they're in love and that they have so much in common and they have so much to look forward to in the future and He's hopeful that this time apart, while he goes to work will give Destiny time to cool down so that they can have a mature conversation when he gets back home. Why he would expect that when they've never had a mature conversation in the time that they've known each other. And I'm not going to blame purely Destiny for this because Sean is like, oh, she just needs to understand that like you know, there's really nothing going on between my baby mama Kelly and I. And it's like, well, if that were the case, then why did you try to date her last year? And also, why did you lie to destiny and try to make it seem like, oh, you were dating other people, so so was I. But I'm not going to tell you who I was dating, even though it was my ex-girlfriend. John is in a perpetual state of denial. and <laughs> But you know what? That's what makes for a great show. He... Seems to think that he does nothing wrong at any given moment, even though he is a almost pathological liar. And also he seems to think that he's in a strong and healthy and mature relationship with a woman who is trying to go on dates with women that she meets at the furniture store. <sighs> um, I just want to say that definitely gets a, um, gets on the phone with her sister Brittany and was talking about like you know he can't talk to Kelly whenever he wants and she's not going to be disrespected from him and that you know like why doesn't he understand that I'm like for real crazy and I will take this credit card that he left at the house and recreate the blue can trail hit him up style video like No problem. I won't think anything less of it. Here's my question though. Like where is the money going? Because we did a close up on Destiny's uh, manicure that she got with her fake nails. And I just like, mm, I just have questions. I just have questions. I feel like those nails weren't done by somebody who was a licensed esthetician. So I don't understand. It seems like I don't, I just don't get it. I'm I'm not really sure where the money's going. Mm, Okay, girl, money can't buy you class. I mean, if Luann has taught us anything, it's that it is certainly that. So Sean is at work and his friend that we friend slash coworker that we've all known and loved the one who said, Why are you getting Destiny a diamond ring when she's much more used to steel? And why don't you get her some handcuffs instead of an engagement ring? Um, He, you know, still thinks that this is all very stupid. He, Sean is like, you know what? I just feel like I need to propose to her and I have a lot to lose by not doing it. And he's like, well, yeah. You have that 50 grand that you spent, that you're going to spend if Destiny doesn't actually go to sacramento or wherever the hell to report for her court date her sister Brittany tells her you know you're always welcome to come back and live with us if you need a place sean comes back from work for some reason all the lights are on in the house but nobody's home much like sean's mental state anyway um let's move on to maurice and jessica So Maurice, when we left him, he had to be shuttled back off to Las Vegas because, sorry, shuttled back off to California because he can't live in Las Vegas because he is not paroled out there. But fortunately, he got a visitor's travel pass, which means that basically he can stay out of the state for a month at a time, but he has to go back to California to reapply at the end of every month. Um, he is so happy to be back in Vegas, to be at home with his wife. He has a white belt and a Gucci and I'm using the air quotes for that. I can't imagine that it was a real Gucci top given Jessica's, um, fashion sense sense doesn't seem to have evolved past 2007, which is a lot of like spaghetti strap things happening um he also seems to have gotten the sign of the riddler shaved into his head you know the like question mark but it's like really going it's quite large and i've never seen one quite that large shaved into somebody's head and it goes back quite far and it's just it's a look but you know what he's giving a lot of look with his outfit so He's so excited. He is um, emotionally excited and expresses that by jumping on the bed and talking about how great it is that he can jump on the bed and how the bed's so soft because it's his bed. He's also sexually excited and he displays that by dry humping his wife in the living room. (sighs) So, yeah. um, Jessica decides to surprise him by saying, hey. Hey. Um, just so you know, heads up here, I am not, haven't been feeling very well, and I'm also three weeks late. He is, Maurice is thrilled. He's like, why did you not tell me this before? And she's like, you know, I just wanted to have this moment between us. And he's like, love it. We got to go to the store and get you a pregnancy machine. What do you call it? Pregnancy machine. So, she says, oh, well, I'm not going to correct you, but I do know what you mean, and I have gotten one from the store, and he's like, okay, why don't you go to the bathroom to piss on the pregnancy machine? Okay. Okay. So, she goes to piss on it, to use this word, and she hands him the pregnancy test, sorry, machine, and he's just waiting like how do I know how does this machine work she says well you gotta look for the two lines so I mean clearly she must have known that she was pregnant already because she just hands him the machine and just kind of like stands outside of the door while he's sitting there standing there in the bathroom like she doesn't seem invested in whether or not she's been impregnated at all but anyway he's like oh you did it, and he slams the machine into the sink. He's so happy. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give him a little bit of grace here by saying, you know what? He is really more excited. The, the reason why he's so excited. Oh, well, part of the reason why he's so excited is because he feels like this is a chance to kind of right the wrongs, and you know of his first daughter because basically he got locked up pretty early into her life and he's like oh now i get to see first steps and all these first moments and it's it's gonna be so great that i can actually be invested in this child and be present and an active father and he wants to name the baby jordan if it's a girl he's really very excited you know i love maurice's enthusiasm um I I love his enthusiasm. We'll just say that. (laughs) Jessica is a little bit more pensive and she's like, "Mm, you know what? Maurice has only been out of jail for a month. This is the only time that we spent as a couple um, with him out of jail. And I just think like maybe... It might be too soon to be having a baby. And also, I feel like my parents aren't really going to react very well to it. And, yeah, that's maybe something you could have thought about three weeks ago before you let him nut in you without a condom. Sorry, I mean, is that the prettiest language to be using? No, but is that the language that this couple deserves? Absolutely. So, um, congratulations to... <laughs> I was going to say baby nut. Sorry. I, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. What I will do you, to you, for you rather, is recite a rap, a little freestyle that Maurice did in the bedroom after he finds out that he's having a baby. And it goes a little something like this. I'm young Maurice and I'm having a baby. Don't say nothing to me because I'm having a baby. Me and my wifey, you know what it is. We having a baby. Honestly, like, I can spit a little, I can rhyme, I can do all the lyrics to WAP with enthusiasm and with the proper enunciation that it uh, deserves. So I don't want you guys to think that, like, I just can't rap. This is basically how he was rapping. It wasn't great. It wasn't good. Um, There's a lot of rhyming baby with baby and then wifey, and then baby again. So congratulations to the happy couple. Let's move on to Scott and Lindsay. Um, so we're two days out of jail and in COVID times. Now, it seems like Scott and Lindsay were very much an afterthought because none of the other couples are talking about coronavirus. There's, they're all living free they're living in their pre-pandemic lives. There seems to be no concern for this virus at all, except for with Scott and Lindsay. So Lindsay has her new ankle monitor. As we know, the she was supposed to go to the halfway house, but they just told her you can do um, uh, in-home confinement, whatever you call it, because of concerns with the pandemic. So they get her an ankle monitor, and um, she's still pissed. About the state of the house. And she has every right to be. Because the more I thought about what that house looked like, I'm like, that is actually pretty gnarly. And it turns out that Scott has been living there for an entire year before she even got out of jail. So why he, you know, there are dog piss stains on the carpet. Why there are vents that don't have covers on them. Why the the closet that he designed for her that was supposed to be like a Kardashian closet looks like, you know, like a nailed it version of a Kardashian closet. Basically, it's rough. And I could I understand her frustration. And honestly, in this situation and in most situations, I'm team Lindsay. Because he really tricked her. Little Miley Grace, her bedroom is literally a construction zone. There are tools and uh, construction things. I don't know. All over that place. It's no place for anyone to live, truly. Um, So, you know, she's like, I'm livid, basically, because I'm stuck at home. I can't see my daughter for the next two weeks because I have to quarantine before I'm able to, like, move her in. But also, I can't do a damn thing. It's not like I can buy anything, whatever, unless there's a Home Depot in the backyard that I'm unaware of. I don't think there's really anything that Lindsay can do. So, Sean has been... Because of this relocated to... Rehomed, if you will, to the couch. And he's mad. Because he hasn't gotten any. Hasn't gotten laid. He's livid. So he decides to... Turn this around. By uh, inviting little Miley Grace over as a surprise. Now, this was confusing to me because... I don't know how far Miley Grace's grandmother slash Lindsay's mother lives. But she says... Miley Grace comes over. They just have a conversation between, like, glass, basically. The glass door. They can't touch, of course. But at one point, they were saying, like, Oh, Lindsay said something along the lines of, like, Oh, I'll see you in six days. Which means that this was day eight. Which means... You know, obviously she had it had been over a week before Scott decided to surprise her and it's really not um what's the word? Like he's not doing this out of the kindness of his heart. He is doing this so he can get laid. And I think that's really gross. Like oh, I'm going to surprise you with your daughter so you can get laid. Anyway, Lindsay tells a story of like basically how guilty she feels for getting locked up because it was sort of like a domino effect she met her miley's um father when she was 14 she got pregnant when she was 15 she ended up getting locked up and when she got locked up the dad just kind of went m.i.a so she's like you know miley would call me and tell me how upset she was that her mom was in jail and her dad was nowhere to be found and that's really sad it does seem like miley grace and Lindsay have a really good relationship like almost like the gilmore girls like if lorelei had gotten arrested for meth um you know what i mean miley grace seems like a very smart girl and they do seem to have a really good rapport with each other there's a lot less you know pop culture references but i hope you get what i'm saying um, let's get to Quailon and Chevelle. I love Quailon and I think that Chevelle is a demon. I think she's really selfish. I think she seems to have no perspective on the fact that, again, like I've been saying that this man has been incarcerated for 12 years for the entirety of his 20s. <laughs> and just seems to think that he is going to go and be like, happy father doting father and husband it's ridiculous the man is institutionalized so but all things considered I think Qualon is doing the best that he can he is open and honest and vulnerable he seems very intelligent he seems very like just in tuned for an institutionalized person he is like top of the heap in terms of quality truly like, I'm not even being shady. Like, I, I can't even imagine being in jail for 12 years. And especially during such formative years, going from teenage to adulthood, like, he's doing a great job. But, you know, I think expecting him to be all of this whole man with a capital M that you are expecting out of him is asking a lot too much of anybody. Truly, in his situation. So anyway, Chevelle takes him to church and introduces Quelan to his pastor, her pastor, because he is kind of like a mentor, counselor to men that have just been released from jail. So, Quelan's like, honestly, like, I'm really overwhelmed by... The fact that I have to be responsible for Chevelle and her daughter. Her family basically doesn't fuck with me. I don't have a job or a car or driver's license. I need to have a job. But I've got this, like, scarlet letter on me because I've been in jail. I don't really have any marketable skills, so I'm starting it negative really not even zero and it's a lot also my family's out in Houston they don't really want me to live out here I feel like I'm kind of stuck in between what my family wants and what Chevelle wants honestly like I think if he had a choice he would probably be living in Houston with his family I think that they are very dedicated to getting him set up And I think he's now letting it sink in like, damn, pussy's great, but I really would like to just live like a normal human being, get a job and do my thing. And I think my family is a lot more supportive of letting that happen or allowing that to happen and having the resources to let that happen than Chevelle.
1: That's BlueNile.com. So,
0: um, basically they go home on the way home. Chevelle starts complaining about how you're being so quiet. Why are you being so quiet? You haven't said anything to me in the car the whole time. Why didn't you say good morning to me this morning? I thought you were outgoing. So why aren't you talking? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you said good morning to my daughter this morning, but she didn't say good morning to me. Why is that? Like, girl, are you for real right now? Are you for real? You guys share the same bed. Do you do you require that he says good morning to you every morning? He sees you. He said good morning to my Ella or whatever her name is because he doesn't share a bed with her. Also, she's a child. Okay. <laughs> so um, He's like Can you stop tripping And put a sweater on and chill <laughs> I'm stealing that Put a sweater on and chill She's like I am chill No you're not Chevelle You're not chill at all He's so over her And I get it cause it's like uh, He's like damn I just got out of jail Like uh, Girl, <laughs> for real, let's end on Dylan and Heather. My girl, Heather. Wow, what did I just watch? <laughs> that bitch needs help. Okay, so the first scene, so last week, last time, um, she would pick him up from jail, and maybe I didn't remember what car she was driving. But her whip is a gold Cadillac, and that's how I knew, like, ooh, we're in for a lot of chaotic energy out of this woman. Like, what? (laughs) 20-something-year-old girl has a Cadillac, not an Escalade, like a, like a coupe. (laughs) Like, whose grandma did you jack this car from? (sighs) I honestly think that my grandma has that car. (laughs)
1: Truthfully.
0: Um, So Dylan, you know, he's on parole. He's got to be on parole for two years. He gets random drug tests. He has to, um, uh, what do you call it? Check in with his parole officer every month. You know, he's like, I'm free, but I'm not really, you know? And so here's what happened. Their living situation changed last minute because Heather's apartment flooded. And I would really like to hear the story on why that happened, Heather. So because of that, they have been graciously invited to stay with Heather's Aunt Diane. Let me just paint a picture with you for you about who Aunt Diane is. Aunt Diane is an elderly woman. Aunt Diane is clearly a sickly woman. Aunt Diane is a woman who has sores all over her body and needs the assistance of breathing tubes. She's a woman who really doesn't need to be, like, putting up with anybody's shit. We'll just say that. So, Heather's already annoyed because she's like, you know, this is, isn't how I pictured it. And I know I can't have sex with Dylan. And, like, how, what do I look like having sex, you know, in my Aunt Diane's house while she's making hash browns? And it's like, yeah, fair point. But, you know what, maybe you should have thought of that before you moved in with your, like, 80-something-year-old aunt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Dylan is being, like, perfect guest. Very gracious. There's another aunt there who's a good chunk younger than Aunt Diane. He's making conversation. Heather's like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. He's being very polite. They're exchanging family photos. He's showing what his dad looks like. They're showing photos of, like, Heather and their family. And he's being a perfect gentleman. Very kind, he's very grateful and gracious like thank you so much for letting me stay here. I know how much of uh you know this is a lot of responsibility to invite not only your niece but your um felon boyfriend <laughs> into your home like I get it, so you know. Like I, I can't even trip on Dylan. Like he is acting perfectly, perfectly. He's charming. They're being, a, you know, like he's like flirting a little with the aunt. Like you know, obviously very harmless. He's not gonna fuck this lady. So Heather's like listening in on them. She opens a bathroom door. She listens and she makes this brownie face. Like, oh, is this bitch really trying to get on my man? Like, then she tries to. <laughs> she very obviously like fakes being sick she's like you know i'm gonna go and lay down because i just like i feel nauseous like i don't really feel well and so dylan tries to get up and is like oh like i'll just go in there with you and she's like no 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 you just stay (laughs) she says that Aunt diane and her other aunt are monopolizing on the time that she has with dylan horrified. He's like, I cannot believe I would never in my life speak to my family this way. I cannot. I'm embarrassed that she would do this to her own family. His other aunt gets up. So like, they're having this like very like whispery conversation of like, what's going on? She's like, I'm sick. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I just want to lay down. I'm like, I just want to lay down. I don't feel well. And uh-huh. And so the other aunt comes. She's like, "Is there anything I can do to help? Like, is there anything you need?" And she's like, "You know, I would just like some time with my husband. Like, ever in life, that would be great." <laughs> <laughs> okay, bitch. And <laughs> Diana's pissed. She's sitting there on, you know, in the living room slash kitchen area, and she's like, "I'm not going to the hospital over this weirdo." You know. i I can't do it so dylan's like trying to talk heather down in the bathroom in the bedroom rather heather's packing her stuff she's like we're not gonna stay here they just don't want to respect the fact that like you just got out of jail and like we need quality time with each other and yeah 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 uh, what 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 (laughs) a nutter she's a true nutter so dylan has to come out to not his family Go out in the living room and try and smooth things over and is clearly lying and being like you know I think we're just going to take a day or two for ourselves maybe go to a hotel enjoy the city we'll be back I promise I just want to thank you so much for having me here I'm so so grateful Dylan has to stay there because that's where his parole that's where the address that he put his parole there so parole officer could roll up to that house anytime 24-7 to check up on Dylan and make sure that he's doing right and drug test him he can do whatever he wants any time of the day so (laughs) this is clearly like a really bad idea Dylan is now putting himself in danger of going back to jail because homegirl is tripping over the fact that that the aunt that can barely breathe is having a conversation with Dylan. Having a conversation with him. She goes back and forth. So Dylan is like packing stuff up in the car for them to go. Heather has the audacity to be going back and forth with Aunt Diane about like how... You, do, you don't understand that I deserve to be taken care of by him, and like I just need more time of it. And, and Diane's like, Are you really acting jealous right now? I'm not jealous. <laughs> she says that this woman is acting disgusting. Just close your eyes and imagine telling a woman who was getting AARP benefits, who was on a breathing tube, who. Basically started to yell. But couldn't. Started to yell at the top of her lungs. But couldn't because I don't think her lungs have a top anymore. She's wheezing. Wheezing. Just to speak a little bit louder. Telling this woman that her behavior is disgusting. Heather what the fuck? I can't wait to see what happens next week. (laughs) And this is why I'm a sick person. Because I know that this bitch is going to give us content, scenes, taglines, quotes, and memorable moments to last a lifetime. Thank you. Let's move on.
1: My name's Nicole and I'm calling because I'm concerned about a friend of mine. I dropped her off at her house at two in the morning last night and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. I've gone to her house, and her car is there. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. What's her name? Shanann Watts. You
0: guys, holy shit. If you have not watched the Chris Watts documentary on Netflix called An American Murder, um, I highly recommend you do so before listening to this. I have brought in the big guns, I will have to say, for this very special moment. Join with me to talk about this documentary and the murder itself. Is co host of the Hollywood Crime Scene podcast, Desi Jedekin. Hello. Hi, Kara. I'm so happy to be here finally. (laughs) You know, I I have chills right now. I've got goosebumps. I'm so excited.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I only asked you. I was like, when is Kara going to ask me on? (laughs) But you know what's so crazy? I really put it out on my show. I was like, what the hell?
0: No, you know what's so wild is that the day that you put that out, I DM'd you and I was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't think that I heard that. And I felt bad because it was like coincidental. I was like, I have to have her on at some point. So,
2: I had no idea that was
0: coincidental. That's so funny. (laughs) And then I listened to it later that night. I was like, oh God, I hope she doesn't think that. (laughs) Purely,
2: purely coincidental. Luckily, I'm so shameless-sided, I wouldn't even care.
0: (laughs) uh so tell everybody about your podcast what's the like what's the tea on what you guys do
2: um we basically do crime related stories that involve celebrities um I mean that's sort of our our difference in the true crime genre which is definitely like a lot so yeah we kind of focus in on celebrity crimes um and scandals but yeah and Rachel's been on before I think right
0: She has. Shout out to you, Rachel Fisher. I will say that a great thing that is good about you guys is that I feel like because there are a few uh, crime, you know, true crime podcasts out there that I think have gotten a lot of flack for being very, like, flippant towards the murders that they cover. I think you guys do a really good job of, like, not doing that. And Um, I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. I mean, we try, for sure, because we're both sort of trash. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's definitely a fine line to walk, but I feel like luckily we're instinctually conscious of it somehow or yeah, or we don't have to
0: think about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it seem like it would be hard, but yet yeah, to other podcasts, it seems very difficult, but we'll move on for that. <laughs> So, okay, so this documentary came out a couple weeks ago. I just watched it the other day. It was shocking. I think the first thing that stood out to me that I thought was, like, incredible, as somebody who watches documentaries way more than they watch, like, actual films, I thought there were so many receipts, and I think this is, like, ushering in a new wave of documentary, whereas, like, there was no commentary. There was no... Like, people coming in and doing interviews and kind of filling in the blanks about stuff. All of it was body cam footage, um, security footage, text messages, Facebook videos that Shanann had posted. Yeah. I
2: I was really um, blown away by the way they did this documentary. I thought it was very well done because you get the whole story just by using the stuff, like basically found footage, like found footage, like that's all they used for it. And they still managed to piece together the story in a way that I thought you would understand, even if you had no idea what the case was about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was really, it added like a real creepy factor to it as well,
0: you know? Yeah, very much so. So for those of you guys don't know, this happened in 2018. And I just kind of, sort of heard about it like I knew the big things which is that like they had gone missing and then the husband was like being pretty performative on like local news stations doing interviews and stuff and then it turned out that he was the one who did it and yeah and one thing that kind of creeps me out off the bat and this is just like a personal thing is that I find a large darkness in people who are very like (sighs) She was almost like a YouTuber, like in the way that she like documented her family and her daughters. There was a lot of footage of them just like living their everyday lives, doing things. And I just always feel like that's a red flag for me. Like they're hiding something.
2: Well, the interesting thing I think about that is that she was an MLM person. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that that is just part of their M.O., like documenting their life like that on Facebook, especially, which I'm still on, sadly. (laughs) But like, I have a few people like within my like world, I'm not really friends with them who are MLM people. And that is the exact tactic that they use, like, just this constant, like, you know, battery of videos and, and things about their personal lives. That's almost like too much. It's like, it's too feeling or something. It's like, I don't even know you. (laughs) And I know about your relationship with your husband and like, uh, but yeah, I I find that to be like, I'm into, into MLM world. uh, So yeah, I feel like that was just part of that. I mean, it's wild how much she controls what goes on Facebook. You see some of it in the documentary where she's like, text me when you're coming down the escalator so I can film the kids reacting to you. Like it's all sort of part of her um, social media habit.
0: Right. And yeah, to go to the MLM thing, which, you know, personally, again, is another layer of darkness for me. Um, She was part of a lot, several MLMs, Um, Thrive, It Works, 31, Unique. There was one called like Origami Owl that she was a part of. Oh, really? Yeah, several, several things that she was part of. Um, I think Thrive is more like health based. I saw
2: a lot of stick- like on a him. diet thing, like, like, yeah. it, like a um. I think Chris was actually on their. They had like diet patches, and he yeah. was on those diet patches, and that's how he lost all of his weight. Yeah,
0: you see it, a lot of their footage, they're wearing patches, and if you go back and look on her Facebook, she seems to be wearing these patches too. She seems to be shilling like multivitamin gummy sorts of things. She's always at a conference, always talking about levels and how her, like, what do you call it? Her downline is like, you know, right. <laughs> so, much, so much success from my downline.
2: I was laughing like at those business trips that she's always going on. Cause I was reading about those recently where they try to make it look like this pillar of success, but they're often just paying for these trips themselves. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. the MLM world is just so weird to me. Um, but yeah. So those diet patches I read that Chris would wear like two to three, at a time and they were basically a combination of like some kind of speed and a diuretic oh cool and he even blames the patches for a change in his like behavior which is definitely after the fact (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know where he's going with that but like yeah, yeah I think he definitely was like I mean that's the thing with Chris like you always see especially in this documentary his wheels churning when someone suggests something and he's like Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, that's what happened. Like, it's like, he had zero plan in my opinion.
0: I mean, he is, like, a yes and ass bitch, if you've ever seen one. Like, improv king, <laughs> Chris Watts.
2: He wow. That is the perfect description. He is so yes and, like, his dad literally pitched an idea to him, trying to get him to confess,
0: and he's like, yes, I didn't want to say this about it's, my wife. It's so sick. It's so, so sick. Oh my gosh. Um, So, this basically takes a course over it takes place over the course of like a few days fortunately this isn't like some long drawn-out thing right um from like the women the shenan and their daughters going missing to his confession so yeah, this
2: it happens really fast
0: yeah it starts august 13th of 2018 Shanann gets back from a business trip uh in arizona really late her um Plane got delayed, so she gets back around, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Chris works as, like, an operator on some sort of, like, field. I don't really understand, like, oil field sort of thing. I I don't understand that world. but um. So, her friend drops her off, 2 o'clock in the morning. He says that he was going to work around 5 o'clock in the morning. And nobody was able to get... A hold of her from the time that her friend nicole dropped her off and that, that was the last time anybody had seen or heard from her right. um her car's in the driveway so like nicole comes back to the house because she's texting her calling her can't get a hold of her they go over to the house to do like kind of a wellness check they notice that her car's in the driveway so they call the cops and the cops show up and most of like the first section of this documentary is body cam footage from the cop that came to see what's going on right Uh, and
2: it's creepy that we see their own security cam of her like walking in her final minutes
0: basically
2: it's so creepy
0: yeah I mean (sighs) I think a lot when I watch these like true kind documentaries about there's always inevitably a section about like the technology just wasn't there. So in the seventies, we didn't have like this kind of, you know, like fingerprints and, and right. you know, the forensic side of stuff. And now I'm like, how do people can't get away with shit? These no. days. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, yeah. that's the other
2: thing. It makes me feel like he, it was spontaneous because he knew they had a security system like I'm just curious about how that worked because they don't see him taking the bodies to the car or her body to the car. Um, right. I,
0: yeah. I well, there I have some like footage or not footage um, information afterwards that it kind of explains that.
1: Okay. Oh,
0: good. So, so Nicole and her, her I think, is her husband or son or something. Get there. The cops can't enter the house because it's illegal without permission from the homeowner. She's calling Shannon's parents, and I also want to say before we get too far into this, there's a lot of discrepancy on how to pronounce her name. Oh, you know, <laughs> I researched that. <laughs> I, I I just did too, and I saw on her Facebook she pronounced it Shannon. She did? Yeah. Oh, that's really weird because I noticed her parents
2: always call her Shannon, mm-hmm. and then um. When I first heard about this case, a friend of mine said to me, oh, it's pronounced like shenanigans, like shenanigans, (laughs) (laughs) but I literally think of that every time I hear her name, which is awful because it's such a tragic story. I always think shenanigans, Uh, and then I read somewhere that she, like, changed it at some point, but that's weird that she says it
0: Shannon on her uh, Facebook. Yeah, because it has that, like, pronounced, like, whatever, and Shannon, but... She has Shanann energy, so I'm just going to call her Shanann from now Yeah, it seems, it seems fitting. It, it really does. So Nicole is concerned, not only because she couldn't get a hold of her, but she was at that conference with her. She said that Shanann wasn't eating or drinking that whole weekend that they were gone. She was super worried and, like, stressed out about her relationship with Chris. They're calling the mom, and they're like, well, we don't know where she is. She, Chris told us that she was at a friend's house. Which is something that they don't really bring up for the rest of the documentary. Yeah. So Chris comes to the house. He finally arrives. He lets them in the house. And I think it would be very fair to say that his demeanor was pretty fucking chill, all things considered. Yeah.
2: I mean, he wasn't making any attempts at all to seem concerned.
0: Not a a care in the world. By the way, we
2: all need a friend like Nicole.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel very confident that I would be that friend <laughs> she you know, was like it. all over it yeah I've got your mom's phone number I'm on <laughs> it I've been texting you I <laughs> this doesn't make sense Um, he <laughs> if okay because I'm thinking like in my mind okay even if you and Shanann have had issues and you're like fuck that bitch yeah. I think you'd be pretty concerned about your children being yeah. gone especially yeah. Cars in the driveway. I, I
2: don't I it's, I, it's always weird. Like when you see these people and people always criticize how someone reacts, and it's hard to say like how you would react. But like this guy, it seemed like his wife's car was missing or something. Like it didn't seem like his kids were missing at all. Right. Right. Like, exactly. It was, it, I mean, it was just nothing. And he's just looking at her phone and like and he called, he's like, I called everyone I know.
0: Like, what else do you want me to do? <laughs> like, what the thing to me is that, like, he keeps giving them more and more evidence that, like, something weird is afoot. Like, oh, her phone is in the house. Oh, her purse is here and it's got medication. Oh, she left her ring on the nightstand, which is the only thing that might make sense with his theory that he's trying to create at this moment, which is that she just left him. Right. Um, but everything else just points to, like something clearly happened to her. She needed medication. Right. He didn't take her. Yeah. And her car was there. So
2: he's just like a classic guy who thinks he's way smarter than he is. Mm -hmm. I think. And that just keeps happening throughout the documentary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then we start with like footage that she's posted on social media and it's she's it's a, uh, very clearly like an mlm speech of like how i made it successful it's like her testimony right so she's talking yes. about being in like a shitty marriage and all she wanted was to like make herself be like financially stable and she saved and saved and at 25 she was able to build this like pretty big house all yeah, that concerned. house was massive <laughs> <laughs> like so that is a fucking house it, it was large. Um, it was really big. And I was like, that's what you can buy for like
2: $40,000 in West Virginia <laughs> or something like that.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so she then meets Chris. She's diagnosed with lupus because she was feeling very sick. She gets a lupus diagnosis and that's when she meets Chris. She says like, you know, every day I gave him an out, like he did not have to be with me because I was sick and really going through it. But He was loyal, and he stuck by me, and then we, you know, began this beautiful life together, and we had kids, and I didn't even think I could have kids, but we ended up having two daughters, and, you know, perfect, you know, like, fairy tale. Yeah. Ending fairy tale. And I I
2: have thrived to thank for it all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it's all because of these pills and stamps. Um, So this was a... Okay, so here's where it got really performative for me on Chris's end is that she's doing this, like, you know, typical viral, I'm going to tell my husband that I'm pregnant, and she's wearing this, like, oops, we did it again t-shirt. Oh, right, right. And he walks in, and he was like, wow, I can't believe it. Wow, I guess if you want something enough, you can get it. That's great, babe.
2: Yeah, it was so... (laughs) you could tell he had already moved on <laughs> sure. and in his mind. This was like a fucking huge snafu. Like, yeah. he was like, now what? I can't leave a pregnant wife. Like, uh, no, I felt like the marriage stuff that she posted was really weird. There was also one, it was a lot of stuff where it was like, I'm making cookies and he's here to clean. Like it was all this sort of like performative, um, husband and wife kind of like we're both in our stereotypical gender roles (laughs) like
0: right exactly, exactly it's just so
2: weird to see him perform as this dutiful husband like knowing what happened
0: yeah and it's almost it's not even like a hindsight's 2020 thing like you look and you're like he's not invested in her or this relationship at all like it's He's very dead behind the eyes the whole time. Yeah,
2: it's so, it's so sad. I I mean, I just couldn't help but think of the two little kids the whole time. Yeah. Just seeing them. It's just, it made this whole thing really hard to watch in a way because it was so awful. Terrible. terrible.
0: Yeah. Like, seeing footage of them, like, at family outings, and I'm like, oh, did he ever really love these kids? Like, yeah, it's really, it's really, yeah. Um, So this is the first part that made me fucking scream is that they go over to the neighbor's house because he has cameras outside the home that can see cars coming in from both directions. He's like the next door neighbor to Chris and Shanann. So he's like, oh, I've got this footage of Chris backing the truck in at five o'clock in the morning the day that she went missing. And Chris seems so unbothered it's like it well he starts off being really unbothered almost like somebody's about to show him like footage from their vacation and he like could not give a fuck about what's happening he's texting he's like on his phone he's not even facing the tv at one point and then they get to the footage they get it booted up and they show it and he starts like <sighs> hand on the head like he's nervous he's shifting from one foot to the other he's like kind of looking but kind of not you can tell he's just like oh i think some they're gonna give it up but i better be cool man just be cool
2: was that the neighbor when they were the two guys the one with the ponytail
0: this was like a bigger guy
2: yeah okay i was yeah
0: chris leaves chris up leaving the house after they show that footage And he goes to the police who's still in the house. He's like, that's not right. This isn't right.
2: Yeah, he immediately is like, this is not how this guy normally is. He's more chatty. There's something wrong here.
0: Something very wrong. I don't like it. And I don't, I'm not feeling it at all. And even the cop is like, well, you know, put yourself in his shoes. Like, there are a lot of concessions made for Chris.
2: I mean, the reality is we know pretty much know that the husband always did it in these cases like so yeah maybe you give them a one percent concession until you figure it out because you want them to stay um you want them to feel like they're not being suspected of anything I think in the beginning but come on like the chances that he didn't do it are pretty much impossible
0: impossible the next day they have a search dog come and check that house and Chris already has cameras from the local news station already there and they're like okay you guys have to get out of the house because the dog's going to get confused about all the new scents happening. They have body cam footage of the dog doing the search around the house and one of the detectives is like this house is too clean. Like it's just too immaculate. Something is weird here.
2: Yeah, I mean it was a very clean house. Like yeah. there was no clutter. <laughs>
0: None whatsoever.
2: I I, I'm like always interested. I know this is like not ever the point of any true crime documentary, but I'm like obsessed with their like decor and like (laughs) things like that. And it was just such an immaculate, like almost like soulless house. Like everything was just so perfect, but it didn't seem like people lived there, especially someone with two young kids.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a live, laugh, love house. Yeah, absolutely no personality really whatsoever very run of the mill so then they get fa- body cam footage of the cops going door to door like handing the neighbors like missing person posters or papers right which is something that i didn't even know that people still did given the age of the internet going yeah. the door, like such- literally
2: just like sticking them in the door so when it opened it would fall down like
0: <laughs> right <laughs> like that's how you do it like right um so then i find out that before shanann went on this mlm trip to arizona she took the girls for 6 weeks to north carolina to hang with family get away from chris that sort of thing
2: that's where they're um, both
0: from yes yeah so they kind of, like, intersperses this with, like, detective, um, like, they're having one-on-one, like, interrogation talks with Chris at the police station.
2: Right. And mm-hmm.
0: he tells them that, you know, they were kind of going through it. He lost the spark for their relationship, and, you know, they had had an emotional, what he puts as, like, an emotional conversation about it before, yes. or, like, the time that she went missing. Um, This was an interesting layer, is that Chris's parents hated Shanann from I know. Her.
2: <laughs> like That was weird when that just was brought up out of nowhere like they didn't go to the wedding. They
0: didn't go to the wedding. They Chris said that he that his parents didn't think that she was good enough. Shanann says that she was kind of like well her friend says that she's like bossy. Oh right. But like not in a bad way, but like they didn't like that and that His parents didn't like that she had basically taken them away, taken him away from them, and that they had moved to Colorado instead of staying in North Carolina. Um, Then there was an incident in which, when they were in North Carolina, Shanann left the kids with his parents. Right. His mom gave, uh, I think it was Cece ice cream. She has a lot of allergies. So, the, a lot of whatever was in the ice cream, she was allergic to. Shanann lost her shit, told his mom that you're trying to kill my baby. And she ended up getting kicked out of the house. They had a birthday party and they didn't attend the birthday party. Like you said, they didn't go to the wedding. And there's a lot of drama between that family and Shanann.
2: I feel like a lot of their relationship problems are so. Um basic like do you know what I mean like all these problems it's like I've heard a million times before like uh just the way they've sort of definitely fallen out of love or at least he's moved on and then the sort of petty stuff with the parents where the sister and the mom are upset and it's like I feel like I would love to hear more about what that is because it all seemed very surface things to me like I, I don't buy that it was just like Oh, they were mad that she took me t- t- away from them cuz it seemed it just seemed like something more had happened and I wish we could find out what that was. Cuz what like why is Chris
0: the way he is? There has to be like more there. Yes. They really kind of painted they well this sort of imply that like he felt a lot of pressure from his parents and mm-hmm. he also felt a lot of pressure from Shanann.
2: Right. I definitely sensed that he was torn between the two. Yeah. Um, but I don't really get what his family dy- dynamic was exactly. Like, it just seemed very surface stuff to me.
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I have a something that gives a little bit insight into that later. <laughs> we get a lot of text between Chris and Shanann, and also Shanann texting her girlfriends and talking about like the issues that they have with each other, and. When he was in, when they were in North Carolina, she's texting him being like, oh, I've been calling you all the time. Why have you not tried to call the girls when you wake up? You have not called one time since they're gone. Every communication we've had, like, I've initiated, like, how dare you, basically. Right. Care about the kids. Like, it's one thing to ignore calls from me, but it's another to, like, not even attempt to talk to your children. And he's like... Oh, I'm so sorry, babe. Like, you're right. I will I'll start calling them, you know, when I can. And he's really doing this, like, doting father. Right. And he's like calling her, like, hey, boo. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that kind
2: of shit was driving me crazy. Also, this is where I really start to see, like, I feel like the real Shanann because she's like, la- she's like saying, fuck, like, you better fucking call them. Like, she's getting. Yeah. We're seeing like the, like the angry side of her, which is justified for sure. But up until this point, we had only seen this Facebook version of her. So I, th- I liked seeing that side of her. Um, Cause it made her more real all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, yeah. Were you obsessed with how they would make mistakes in text and then fix yes. them? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, why are they, do, I was like, do they have a record that she had to retype it? Or are they just like making it up every once in a while?
0: Right, like, why are they, like, going back, like, three, go back three and then write it again? Like, what is this? This is a lot of artistic license that's happening. Yeah, it was really wild. <laughs> um, so then we get footage of him in the interrogation room and the detective is like, oh, I noticed that you've lost a lot of weight since you got married. He looked so much like, you know, in a boy band, there's always an ugly one. Like one <laughs> quite older and not as attractive. And you're not really sure what the demographic was supposed to be. Cause he's never the lead singer, you know, right. He is he looks just like the guy, Justin from 98 degrees. And I had to Google which one it was, but it was like the kind of slightly chubbier one. Oh, like third tier boy band. Like, yeah. you know, the the, beard but that's it's just along the jawline
2: right yeah his facial hair was like he had a lot of uh, changes in that but they were always bad (laughs) what (laughs) he was doing his his wedding facial hair was just just appalling like uh yeah but he he's definitely like someone where it's like he's not ugly but he's not necessarily attractive
0: um I mean if he had not like murdered his wife and his two children I would say that he was a good-looking guy, but I can't do that, just morally.
2: <laughs> right, at this point, it's it's too far gone. Like, um, yeah. yeah, he's definitely not unattractive, but just a fucking
0: weird guy. He gives me, like, youth group pastor who is really into CrossFit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I researched to see if they were Mormon, because they had, like, a definite Mormon vibe to me, but they weren't. Although he is born again or something now in, in prison, of course.
0: Of course, typical difficult. So as he's talking about like, oh, you know, I used to weigh like 240 pounds and now I'm like 180. The detective's like, you look really good, dude. Like, good job. (laughs) That (laughs) was such a weird moment. (laughs) It was so weird. So they make him do a polygraph test. They bring in the woman to do it. And And she warns him. (laughs) She, this is what I'm talking about. They give him so many concessions and so many outs, especially her and the other detective she's like you know um this is a very easy way to tell if you're telling the truth or not so if you are that's great but if you're not this would be a really dumb thing for you to do okay yeah
2: and of course he's like of course I can pass I'm a sociopath (laughs) fire
0: it up I'm ready (laughs)
2: I mean, after I watched this, I think I tweeted something where I was like, that is like one of my fantasies to see if I could pass a polygraph test. Like, like how I would love to figure out, like, not that I'm planning on doing anything, (laughs) but I would just love to take one
0: and see, like, if I could. Well, I thought it was largely just like they take your like heart, they monitor your heart. Right. And like, so if you're lying, your heart beats a little bit faster and that's why these things are largely not really that um,
2: Right. People and I,
0: think, I, think they,
2: I think they compare it to like how you are answering truthfully and then to see if there's any difference. Because um, that's why they always have those like basic ask questions at the beginning.
1: Yeah. You, like, you know, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Or, yeah. <laughs> but of course, um, he thinks he can pass. <laughs> He, and he like fails immediately. They get to the second question and which was like did you cause Shanann's disappearance? And when he answers she's like you know what you really need to work on your breathing? You're like all yes. over the place. <laughs> yeah.
2: She like gives him a, t- a helpful hint.
0: <laughs> and then then she asks one of the questions is have you ever spoken out in anger to a loved one? And he goes yes. No. Which is like Everybody has done that. You don't have to say no. No, that's a weird lie. It's a very weird lie. Literally, everybody would say yes to that. That's why it's like,
2: it's so telling. Because it's like, only someone who's trying to look not guilty presents themselves as perfect. It, right. Right.
0: Ugh, he's so stupid.
2: he's stupid. Watching him in the interrogation room, I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> not that I'm rooting for him, but I was like, get your act together. like. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> If you're going to be evil, like, fucking get good at it. like.
0: Oh, my God. Like, seriously, Jesus Christ. Like, Christina from um, fucking, what's that movie? <sighs> Mommy Dearest. Just like, oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the plan for the trip to North Carolina was that Shanann was going to be there for several weeks. And then Chris was going to be there the last week and then fly back. So we're at the point now where Chris goes to North Carolina and now she's texting her friends saying there's no intimacy at all. Like you mentioned, when he's at the airport, she's like, call me when you're going down the escalator so that I can film you, the reaction, the girl seeing you. Um, She's saying like, he has not kissed me. He didn't kiss me at the airport. We haven't had sex. How is it that I've not seen him in five weeks? And he has no desire to be physically like any sort of physical touch towards me at all. Um, then she says, and this really cracked me up. She <laughs> texts her friend and says, "You know, I put the kids down to bed, and I took my night shower, which means sex."
2: <laughs> I know. I, I was like, "Oh my god, yes!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she, there's, it's like interspersed with a uh, video that, of her recording him doing push-ups she's, she's like didn't... he's doing a push-up challenge
2: stuff <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> a nightmare yeah. for me to die and all of my most embarrassing
0: texts get released <laughs> right <laughs> right wow. she literally said he's he's doing he's over here doing a ducking push-up challenge instead of fucking me and then oh my god we see him doing this with the patches on his arms doing push-ups and then we go back to him doing the polygraph test and he finished it and she says it's completely clear that you weren't being honest and i think it's about time that you start so at this point she's like trying to get him to coax him to say anything at all just like (laughs) I could tell by your mannerisms and your demeanor that you want to come clean and be done with this, so now's the time, sir.
2: Yeah. They're so... Did you notice, like, at some point when they came in, I guess we'll get to it in a second, they were, like, rubbing his shoulders.
0: Yes! I had to pause it. I was like, what the fuck is she doing? (laughs) It was so weird. I was like, this guy just confessed. Like, I couldn't, like, part of me was like, is this like some sort of like mind control like tactic to get him to like yeah, and like he did a good job by saying something, but then I was like I just saw those French tips rubbing his back, (laughs) and I was infuriated.
1: (laughs) It was wild.
0: (laughs) So Shanann basically is like I know he's fucking somebody else. I can feel it in my spirit, and she's like, even if he didn't like me I know he would still want to get laid so why is he not doing it? He must be getting it from somewhere else. Yes. Um, so this is where we meet Nicole who is a co-worker of Chris's and they're hooking up basically the entire time that Shanann and the girls are in North Carolina they're dating, actively dating going out places taking pictures
2: What were they so- doing? They were like surfing down the sand dune? I <laughs> <laughs> on surfing, like, oh, so they had like a whirlwind romance in these five weeks. They were like together constantly.
0: Yeah, she is like, Oh, you know, he told me I knew he was married and I knew he had kids, but he told me he was separated. And I was under the impression that they were absolutely going to be getting a divorce. And I had no clue that Shanann was pregnant. And once I found out, she that was like the red flag for her, not the fact yes. that he's still actively living with his wife. Okay, <laughs>
2: okay. I mean, <laughs> I I give her credit for at least turning on him the minute she found out the wife went missing.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm out. I am out of here. So, they go back to the the interrogation room, and they're like concession number three they're like okay so you know they're not coming back and he's like but i hope they are they're like no but you know that they're not coming back he's like no but i still have hope that they are they're like no chris you know that they're not coming back like stop it his hope (laughs) in his mind he might have believed that right (laughs) maybe maybe but then the lady pushes out that picture of the girls and she's like you have not shed one single tear for these children. Your children. Yeah. We know that you fucking murdered them. And then she's like, you know what, Chris? Chicks are crazy. So, like, maybe she did... Maybe Shanann did something. And that you felt like you had to retaliate by hurting her. Yeah. The girls hurt... You, they hurt the girls. And so you hurt the, her. And then they're like, okay... Do you want to talk to your dad and maybe you can tell him what happened? So his dad comes in, they leave and he's like, "Yeah. So Shannon hurt the girls and then I hurt her," which is exactly what they just said.
2: <laughs> right. The light bulb literally went off over his head when she said that. <laughs> like. And then he like I mean, it's just unbelievable. I wonder if that was like some kind of psychological tactic like It'll, it'll like make it acceptable for him to confess if he thinks he was defending the girls. Do you know what I mean? Like giving him that, that reason. I also wondered, did he think that him and his
0: dad were having a private conversation? I mean, he was like whispering to the dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he must've known that like he, there was a camera in there or something. Like he must've known there was surveillance in there somehow, even though his back was to the camera, but he, he's whispering to his dad, like, I choked her. Yeah, it's Oh, so <laughs> so uh, I mean, yeah. and this is, like, not funny, but it's just so ludicrous that it's, like, it is I-, I couldn't even believe what I was watching. No.
2: I mean, definitely the story is not funny, but his behavior is just outrageous during all of this sort of police interrogation. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen it in person like this before. Like, I can't recall ever seeing such an extended period of police interrogation where the person is changing their mind nonstop like like he
0: does it's so extreme yeah and what i really loved is that he told his dad and his dad's like what <laughs> Like, yeah. what did you do like oh my it's such God. An absurd
2: lie to say that she killed the children first right i mean it's just absurd like
0: I, I can't tap into being a parent, period, but I certainly can't tap into, like, being in the police station and having my child say that, like, I strangled my wife. I, I just can't imagine, like, what went on in his mind, his father's mind at that point. Like, right.
2: Because I mean, what he's hearing right now is your grandchildren and your daughter-in-law are dead. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, at that point, he wasn't sure, right? What had right. happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an insane thing to hear your child say, I'm sure.
0: I I couldn't, could not imagine. So dad things pretty cool about it too. I was, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. struck by it, but, um, he, I mean, he's, he literally is like, good God almighty. Yeah. And yeah. that was basically it. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, oh my gosh. Okay. So at this point they have, a confession, not the confession, but he said something at this point. Um, so they raid the house. They take the dog, the little dachshund named Dieter. And they, so when they did like this, uh, passing out the, going to door to door, one of the ladies said, I know that Chris has like a big steel gray truck, but lately I've seen a smaller steel gray truck down the street. And they also tow that truck because it's just been sitting out there this whole time not belonging to anybody. So she knew. All these neighbors knew. Yeah. So.
2: I mean, it's a very like it's one of those weird like sterile developments where everyone mm-hmm. can kind of just see everyone else's house. There's no yeah. like landscaping or anything
0: dividing things. hmm And the houses are very close together. Yeah. So... Let that be a warning to everybody. If you're going to yes. do anything funky, live in the f- escape the- <laughs> <everybody laughs> area. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. So, like you said, the polygraph lady comes back after he makes his convention and she's, like, rubbing his back. And it's like, hey, are you okay? Like, good job, buddy. Yeah, Got it out. Great great job. Yeah. <sighs> Only at this she
2: point. Too? Didn't she ask him, like, uh, are you okay with us telling yes. the world that Shanann killed
0: her kids? Yeah, yeah. This oh, is, does like, it matter? Like... Right. <laughs> this is the only part where we see him start to cry. Yeah. The only time. And so they give a map of the property that he was working on, the oil field. And this was, I was like, okay, they must have known that the kids were there right? because how did they already have a picture from that day of the property? That would have been very good foresight, but you know what? They're detectives, not me.
2: Oh Yeah. So, and maybe they knew he went, he was at work at like 5 30 AM. So they just made a guess.
0: Yeah. Just keeping their ducks in order. But so they're like, okay, are, are they there? And where are they? So, he points out, like, that basically he dug a shallow grave for Shanann, and that he put the girls in one, two different oil tanks. Yeah. One for Bella, one for Cece. Um, and, yeah, like you said, they're like, are you really comfortable with the world thinking that Shanann killed these kids? Is that, like, so they're trying to get, like, more truth out of him. And they're like, well, we kind of think what happened is that maybe you found a new life and a new woman and you did whatever you could to make that happen oh my gosh so we're now like three days after the murder and excuse me three days before the murder so they're backtracking Shanann is at the training meeting in arizona so he was watching the girl and she said she texted him And also had left, like, texted him, like, oh, I left you a note on the counter. And it was basically, like, like, I'm going to fight for our relationship. Right. And, you know, we've been through some hard times. And I don't know, like, what's going on with you. And I don't know why, you know, like, I can't change what happens with us. But... I really want to work on our relationship and I can't believe we're having this child who they found out was a son, a boy. And yeah, basically just like we're going through it but I'm going to try and make it work and I'm getting right. He's like
2: saying to like I miss you, I miss holding you. So mm-hmm. she's definitely sending him this letter like I know we're in trouble but I think we can work it out and he's basically agreeing in text. Yeah. So I think she thinks she's coming back to sort of work on things.
0: Yes, and it's worth noting that in my research, I found out that they had planned on going to Aspen after she got back as like a couple's romantic getaway situation. Okay. What was
2: that video? Did you find anything out about that video where he's talking about relationships and like no weird. It was if they just like plop, that was like a weird thing they plopped in and they never explained. Like I was like, "What was that for?"
0: Right, because it's not like he was a motivational speaker or a relationship coach or anything. Yeah, like,
2: or they weren't in some weird church that I know of where they were doing. They have things like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. No, it was still creepy.
0: It it was creepy. It was very like telling. It was very telling. Um, so then there the detectives are now like talking to the other woman Nicole being like is there anything that you may have said that led him to believe that this is something that he should do like did you say that you were uncomfortable with him having kids and that you wanted kids of your own and a family of your own like anything you got anything she's like no I would have never told him that like I knew he had kids I would have never said they were a problem.
2: They wanted her to say, like, I can't be with you because you have kids or something that would give
0: this clear motive. Right. Right. So they had gone on a date while Shanann was in Arizona. He had hired a babysitter and that he was out kind of late. Shanann did all of her research like I would have done, which is going through the bank statements, realizing that he spent $60 at a restaurant and there's no way that he could have done that on his own. She asked him what he ordered. She looked at the menu to see what the prices were. <laughs> that was so me, too. I was like, yes, I would look at the menu. <laughs> right. <laughs> I
2: was like, he even tried to say he got an expensive dish, the salmon. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> oh, my
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: Gosh, so then they kind of talk very briefly about how, you know, when things like this happen, there's inevitably, like, seven Facebook groups that crop up, and they're all investigating, and everybody, for the most part, was really on Chris's side and felt like Shanann was kind of like, she's a bitch, and she forced him to kill her, basically, and and to the point where, like, her dad had to come out and be like, please stop. Like, this is really disrespectful,
2: it's uh, it's it's so internet that that happens
0: yeah
2: to me because it's like look would I be friends with this woman in real life probably not like but does that excuse him murdering her <laughs> like absolutely fucking not like, right. and you know insane. the reason why yeah it's, it's insane it. it's such an ugly thing about the internet and it's just so not unexpected at all like not at all.
0: And as, you know they saw him and they're like, oh, he's cute. There's no way he could have done something like this.
2: <sighs> it's just like inexcusable behavior. It's so gross.
0: It truly, truly is. So he gets arrested, obviously, because he confessed. Three months into, Three months afterwards, he basically pleads guilty to all nine charges, which were like the killing of the three of Shannon and the daughter's the endangerment because she was pregnant. Right. So he got a charge for the their son. Um, there was like tampering with the body, some other charges. And because he pled guilty to all of those, he was like at risk of getting, you know the death penalty. The death penalty. And because he pled guilty, he got off on that. So they could only charge him with uh,
2: life. I actually I read something that her parents were fine with a deal that let him get out of the death penalty. Mm. They okayed it basically.
0: Interesting. Uh, yeah. That would not be my mom. She'd be like <laughs> <laughs> let him go. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean
2: yeah I don't know. I guess they were like it's. there's been enough death or something. Yeah, uh, being in prison for life is pretty bad too. Uh, especially for probably
0: um, yeah especially for somebody who kills children yeah those people don't like that um so then we get like sort of another confession or like he's given people more of a timeline of like what exactly happened so he's changed his tune on like she killed the kids to fully admitting that he killed all of them right and he said like when she got home I knew that she knew that I had been cheating because of the bank statement and they had sex when she got back and that was very dark information for me. And then he said that in the morning, he basically, before he went to work was like, oh, you know, it's really not going to work between us. So she accused him of cheating and told him that like, you'll never see the kids again. So that's when he killed her.
2: That's what set him off, supposedly. Yeah. But what a weird conversation to have at five. Like, did he like wake her up to tell have this conversation at five a.m. in the morning, like right. after having sex with her? Like, what? It's very I, strange. It's really strange, and I, even though I feel like this is pretty close to the truth, I still question whether it's a hundred percent the truth. As far yeah, as I like, I he had to be thinking, planning this already. I think, like,
0: yes, I think. It's about 70 to 80% of the truth. I think he right. knew that he was going to do something and he knew that it was like inevitable. And he was just like, I'm going to find something to piss her off. Right. I have a reason.
2: Right. And he, he needed to have it be a huge fight for him to finally like take the,
0: the leap to doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then he says that <sighs> their daughter came in. To the room. And she was like. Oh what's wrong with mommy. Because at this point she's gone. Mm -hmm. She's laying face down on the bed. And. Basically. He wrapped Shanann up in a sheet. Put her in the car. The girls are asking what's wrong. He puts them in the back of the car. He buries Shanann. And then. Kills them. And he like. Sheets over their head and like. Smother them, basically, and so very weird. So after he dumped all the bodies, he then calls a the school that the girls go to and unenrolls them from school. Right. Stupid. Does he, he he also put like calls a realtor, right? He called a realtor. Um. Yeah, and then also called Nicole to talk about their future together. hours after I heard that he called the school unenrolled them and then asked if they were at school to be like oh maybe I should make an alibi out of this to act like I didn't know yeah already taken them out of school so oh my gosh so he ends up getting three life sentences and her family's like we don't think that there's a chance in hell that Shanann was awake we don't believe that they had gotten into a fight because because she was, like, uh, face down on the bed. He probably just, like, got her from behind. And they're like, we know for a fact that she would have, there would have been a struggle.
2: Right. I mean, she definitely seemed like she would put up a huge fight, like, you know yeah. what I mean, just based on her
0: personality. Uh, yeah they had pictures of him and took you know like made him take his shirt off show your hands that sort of thing and there was no marks evidence that she had tried to fight at all Ugh, um, I hate this guy saw, <laughs> <really> <laughs> it's so awful uh, they show like short clips of like the statements from the parents right. and I had to go and watch this because we see a short clip of his mom being like, we love you and we forgive you. Like, bitch, this is not, now is not the time. What are you talking about? Right. And we're not, that's your, your forgiveness
2: is not what's important. Here. Right. <laughs> like, right. I mean, right. the mom does seem, I can see like if that was my mother-in-law probably also
0: being fucking irritated by her. She just seems like the type. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and watched it. It was like a 15 minute thing. I just wanted to see like based on that short clip that we saw in the documentary. I was like, "Let me go and watch the full extent of what she says." Okay. And somebody commented before I get into this says his parents are acting like he stole a muffin, <laughs> which is so true. They're like <laughs> being so gentle on him, but she is like, you know, I don't I'm really just going to be mostly addressing this towards Chris. She really doesn't acknowledge her family Shanann, at one point she calls chris a uh a good father and she's basically just talking about like how much she loves him and how like this has affected her she doesn't really mention the girls at all she does call it like needless, and I don't know what happened, but she doesn't like say like I feel so bad for her parents. I feel like no remorse towards the actual action that took place. Like my family's gone, and in that we can unite because our families are not gone. Like not yeah. really,
2: not really. <laughs> Let's take Shanann out of the equation, because clearly they did not like each other. It's still awful. That's her grandchildren. (laughs) Like, he killed her grandchildren. Like, how is she not fucking disgusted, like, to the point of vomiting that she's so upset that her grandchildren are dead and her son fucking did it? Like, I don't get it.
0: I don't either. It is so wild that she said any of the things that came out of her mouth. Like she, it it was like they had no connection towards Shanann and her family. And literally it was truly like, I I cannot believe it. Go ahead.
2: I, I honestly feel like in her mind, she, in the back of her mind, she was sort of like, this never would have happened if Shanann didn't take you to Colorado. Like, she right. blamed Shanann for
0: even being in the relationship almost. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, she's a sick woman. A sick woman, and it explains why your son ended up like that. Maybe you should think about that, Mrs. Watts. Maybe you should think about that. Right. Um, so, I want to get into a couple things that were not shown that I found via Reddit. So, with, going getting back to the neighbor, I watched more of that body cam footage of the neighbor with the uh, surveillance stuff. And he was like, so once Chris leaves, he's like, I'm going to play this video for you again. Well, Let me know. This neighbor knew all the tea about Chris and how he acts and what he does and how, what is normal and what isn't. Like he has been watching this man He's been very (laughs) clear on like the goings on of Chris and Shanann. So he's like, if you notice, he actually backed the car, the back of the truck into the driveway. So you couldn't, not in his driveway, into the garage. So you can't really see what he's taking in and out of like the bed of the truck. He's like, he never does that. And even though Chris was saying that there had been like some robberies and that somebody tried to break into his truck with a flatbed screwdriver he's like i told chris that just park your car up to where the cameras see so you don't have to worry about anybody stealing things out of your truck but then he also was like every time i see chris like he doesn't have like chris was acting like he has these like expensive tools in his truck at all times he's like never once have I seen him take these tools to and from the house everything that he when he goes to work it's just like a backpack and a water bottle and a lunch pail like it's nothing expensive or anything yeah, like that so. like the Mrs. Kravitz from Bewitched just kind of right. like <laughs> right right and then he said like I was actually kind of worried before she even went missing that maybe he had done something to her when she went to Arizona because oh. they had, he's like, well, cause you see how close their house is together. He's like, yeah. we hear them fighting all the time and we hear him going crazy on her. And we thought like, this was kind of inevitable. And I guess he has a wife and the wife, was like I yeah like it would ping to me as weird that she would basically go to Arizona immediately after that North Carolina trip because I guess the wives had been talking to each other and Shanann had told her that they were having issues
2: oh interesting
0: yeah so truly he had all the tea like all yeah. of it so he he had a lot of a lot of evidence and he was like you know Chris never talks this much he said did you notice that he kept telling you why he brought the truck up he said he told you over and over it's like he's trying to build up an alibi as to why he would back his truck up like when she was in North Carolina he kept taking her car out of the driveway and putting it down the street and taking it in and out and in and out and and just like a bunch of weird stuff um there were some weird things with Nicole the mistress and somebody had written out a complete log of basically every event that happened like prior to Shanann going missing and up to the confession. So the night, so she went missing. Well, they announced that she was missing on the 14th. So like midnight between midnight and two o'clock on the 15th, there are five calls back and forth between Chris and Nicole. Five of them over the course of two hours. Wow. And so there also seems to be like some single white female shit going on with Nicole mm. that they had um, gone through like her search engine. They found out that she had searched for Chris. So they got to they started dating in June of 2018. Right. their first like real communication between each other was in late May. But she had been searching for Chris in May of, or excuse me, August of 2017, (gasps) and had searched for Shanann in January of 2018. So she already knew about him and was looking him up and had been like repeatedly looking up Chris and Shanann on Facebook over like the year that leading up to all of this. Like really weird stuff.
2: Oh, that's really weird. Well, did she? Work with him all that time.
0: Um, I'm not sure, but uh-huh. I know that the only communication that is that they have was like the month right. before she left, before huh. Shanann left. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Really crazy so, Really crazy. Um, she did searches while Shanann was in North Carolina. For um, man, I'm having the farewell says he will leave his wife. <laughs> <Sorry>.
2: <laughs> those are the kind of like searches I make where I, I probably put in way too much information. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh my god, what an insane Google! Like, that's at that point, like, how are you not like, what am I doing with my? Like, right, right. Have <laughs> like, um, there were... seen, like, Lifetime movies? Like, what, what do you need to search for? You already know, like, the outcomes here, like. Right.
0: So he was in, or they were in, after he left for North Carolina, she looked up wedding dresses in July. Oh my God. And in August, she searched marrying your mit- mistress. Oh, my God. Real creepy stuff. It's Um, funny
2: because the documentary kind of presents her as almost, like, a down-to-earth, like, person trying to do the right thing.
0: mm -hmm.
2: And I'm not saying she isn't, but this definitely adds to um, a different side being
0: there as well. Yeah, they made her seem like she was really, like, like, yes, it's incredibly naive to think that the dude that you're dating, who is married, is going to leave his wife. But that could be excused if you're, like oh, once I found this out, like, I'm out, which is what they tried to make it seem like, but she seemed very invested in Chris way before all this happened.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that he ended up with a, like, this woman was also, like, those videos she, like, they show in the documentary, like, she's also posting a lot of this, like, or taking a lot of these videos as well, like. Yeah. And, like, what was the one she was kind of speaking to the camera, talking about, like, how great and, like, thanking him or something like
0: <laughs> Yeah, she was, like, recording the sand dunes. And was like, thank you, Chris, for taking me on this trip. Like, I love you. Oh, Chris I, also searched, um, when is too early to say I love you? Oh, and my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: like, he, I mean, there he's, like, what is he, like, 33? I mean, he is, these people are just so emotionally immature. And I think like Chris and this woman, what's her name? Nicole. Mm-hmm. Like their relationship struck me as something that was like, what happens when you're like 20 and your first sort of like real thing or something. It just didn't seem like something that adults would be doing.
0: Yeah. I mean it, it very much seems like he has low self-esteem. This yeah. is a girl who's really giving me attention and is like being really nice to him. And now right. he's like, there
2: was this her. weight loss too. So maybe he feels like hot for the first time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, it does seem like in a lot of these cases where the husband murders a wife, there is this affair that kind of triggers everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. and, it, and the affair is always this like puppy love uh, phase.
0: Right. They're probably having a lot of sex. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, okay, oh my gosh. Can
2: I, um, for, can I be petty for a second about Nicole? Please. Weren't, sh- weren't you shocked when he spoke about how hot she was and how sort of plain she was? Yeah. Do you find her hot? No. Not that it matters at all, but I, I just was just kind of like, that's what you were like acting like is the hottest fucking thing that you've ever seen. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> like, right. Honestly, like I didn't think she was
2: any was, better than Oh, yeah. I mean, Shanann was just as good looking. I mean, not that that was the only thing, but uh, yeah, it was just weird that he had also... I, I feel like that's just part of this sort of like di- not this like lack of reality of the situation. Like, he had built her up into something. This is a relationship that would have ended probably weeks and weeks
0: if it, if it continued. Oh, yeah. It would have been a complete disaster. Yeah. A complete disaster. Um... So, another, the last chilling thing that I found was that days before the murder, Shanann had posted a picture on Facebook of a doll wrapped up in, like, the twister mat. <gasps> and it was, like, it, almost like a mummy. It was, the doll was on a couch. And every, you couldn't see anything about, of the doll except for feet. The leg, like the bottom half of the legs and the feet. <gasps> oh, so, Ronnie, oh, the caption was, I don't know what to think of this. So Chris's dad, Ronnie, like before he made, or either right before or right after he made his confession, was like trying to give more credence to the theory that she had strangled the kids, saying like, oh, she posted this picture on Facebook. And I know that Bella would have, you know, like she puts she, you know, like dresses of dolls and like whatever. But this is very sinister, and I don't think that, like, based on Bella's, you know, spirit, that she would have done something like this. Like, this is really dark and creepy. Right. So he tried to pin it on Shanann, but actually, they went through the logs and found out that Chris sent that picture to Shanann. Oh. Yeah. And it was actually him. He sent it to her while he was at work. And it was the daughter who had wrapped up the doll. No, they think the- that he did it and sent it to her. Oh, that's yeah. creepy. Yeah. It's, it was very tightly wrapped. Like, I don't, like, how old were those girls? Like, four, three, and uh, four?
2: I think the little one was just turned three. And then yeah. the other one was maybe almost, maybe four some almost five yeah it was she was definitely was... more um aware the older one yes. was bella because i mean there's some awful things they talk about when she was killed um but she was definitely more aware of what was happening um so i tend to think right. that's closer to five probably
0: yeah but the, the way the doll was wrapped up is like i i don't think that it toddler would have been capable of wrapping up a doll like that like you needed an adult hand on that right like it was too white or something
2: yeah like if that's if she was involved at all
0: yeah and and, like the twister thing twister mat's pretty big yeah that doll was wrapped up like a burrito like a tight burrito
2: that's just a creepy detail
0: it's very creepy, and it almost seems like, oh, like, I don't know. He just, I mean, then after, at the end of the documentary, they do these facts about how, like, you know, most women who are murdered are murdered by their husbands, and it's almost always premeditated, and, you know, a woman three women are killed every day by their husbands or their partners, and, you know, just, like, really awful facts. <sighs> What did you think about the documentary slash the story as a whole?
2: Um, even though I had kind of loosely followed the case, I didn't have, like, a ton of in-depth information because I, I kind of, like, do a lot of crime cases. Yeah. It's like I can't focus on all of them. And I definitely knew enough about this one, but not everything. I just thought, in general, um, the Netflix crime documentaries have been so bad lately. Mm-hmm. Because I think they're pushing them out really fast. I thought this one was like one of the best crime documentaries I've ever seen. I loved the way they, they basically just used all this footage and made the story. It reminded me of this documentary, like the sports documentary about the Bronco chase. Mm. Um, and they just used news footage of that week um, for several other sports events that were happening. But it was really effective. So it kind of reminded me of that Documentary. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was really. I like seeing the people, and I like. I like them sort of, like that. We learned the story through their their life, at least what was presented to us on Facebook and in these, um, you know, recorded sessions where he's like basically confessing. Um, I I felt like it was really revel. Like we learned a lot about his character, I think, or lack of character. Yeah, uh, yeah. By seeing him constantly change I just really I liked seeing that Constant change especially knowing how Fast it happened this was not Someone who was beaten down for weeks and finally
0: Confessed Mm-hmm. Yeah <laughs> and, I, now, that, now, now that you're bringing the Netflix of it all I'm wondering like if This was sold to Netflix because Like you said Netflix is known for like Stretching some shit out Into like a 6 to 8 To 12 part series Right and I'm kind of shocked that that didn't happen, especially given how much footage they had. Maybe they've been listening to my specific complaints about how these docu-series are entirely too long and we don't need all of that information. It really told the whole story. And Yeah, and as
2: much as I like some speculation, it can go too far to me. Like, I don't know if you saw the Madeline McCain one.
0: Oh, I couldn't even finish it.
2: I couldn't finish it either. And it's like, I'd love to see something great on this case, but I don't feel like listening to two, you know,
0: hours of bullshit that I know is not true. Like. That Manuel Kane doc was like 17 hours long. It, I like, I could not believe. And I'm very much a completionist. And especially when it comes to true crime. And I'm like, I, I, I can't invest as much time in this case. Like you guys are talking about every little thing. That is really not relevant to the story. You
2: no, know, I saw you mention to that Rachel, to Rachel the other day, and I'm the exact same way. I think you were talking about Melrose Place. Um, but I have to finish it. Like, when Rachel tries to get me to watch 90 Day Fiancé, she's always like, oh, just skip those seasons. I'm like, no, I have to watch everything in order, how it was presented. Like, I found a list of how to watch 90 Day Fiancé, like, all the different shows, like, in what order they originally presented. And that's, like, kind of what I'm doing right now is going through them. But she's like, just skip that one. I'm like, no, I have to. <laughs> it's,
0: like, pathological. I have to uh, know. Yeah, you have to have the full story. Like, you have to know everything about Danielle and Muhammad. You have to see the full journey of Paul and Karini. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Do you have any, like, favorite, and, you know, I'm using favorite in a very loose term, for 90 Day Fiance cast members.
2: Do I have favorites yet?
0: Um, yeah.
2: Oh, I mean, one story I kind of like is Kalani and Esuelo. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't gotten through it all. I mean, I do know Paul, Paul and Carini because I did watch that season before I went. Because Rachel's like, just start here. And then I've gone back since then. So I did watch a few of the before the 90 days cast. Um, yeah. So I'm not like an expert on it yet, but I will be. <laughs> i feel like the first the first three seasons of 90 day fiance are pretty i don't know if they're the best seasons would you say they're pretty tame they're pretty tame um one couple i do hate i can't remember his name it might be mark and he has a 19 year old um nikki i think her name is
1: yeah i hate mark -hmm. like my most
2: hated character so far but i haven't been to the later seasons yeah,
0: he's a sick man. He's a really sick. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Desi, thank you so much for doing this. Um Ew. tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your podcast. Oh, so my podcast is just
2: Hollywood Crime Scene. It's Everywhere Podcast. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever yeah. the phrase is. Uh and then I'm just Desi Jad on Twitter, um if you want to follow me there. I'm very cool. active. <laughs> I'm sadly very active on Twitter.
0: <laughs> You're a great follower, though. You really are. Thank you. <laughs> well, you have such a good day. Thank you again. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, girl. Bye.